0: Chapter Ten of As in a Mirror by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten. What is truth? One could not long be a member of the Elliot household without discovering that the daughter Hildreth was not one of those teachers who work for the sake of the salary and forget their scholars the moment the door closes upon them for the day remembering them with reluctance the next morning when necessity compels. John Stewart, before he had been in the neighborhood a month, had heard incidentally enough about her school to have a desire to visit it. Yet an opportunity for doing so seemed improbable. Farmer Elliot, although his trust in his hired man grew daily more assured, seemed to have formed the habit of himself looking after his daughter he had been overheard to say with great satisfaction that his man was so entirely trustworthy he could get away better than he had for years the aspirant could only bide his time one evening while the family were at supper john and susan according to the fashion of the neighborhood being seated with them a discussion arose in which the former was deeply interested you ought not to go out again tonight roger mrs Elliot said with an anxious glance you are hoarser than you were an hour ago it would be a pity to get a cold fastened upon you for the winter perhaps oh there's no danger of that the father said cheerily though hoarsely it is a nice night for a ride the air is crisp but not disagreeable and it will be as clear as a bell this evening then hildreth father nanny and rex would like to go out with us rex promised he would help me when he could this winter and nanny says this evening would be a good one to commence in because it will be such lovely moonlight that she would rather be useful than not with a ride at the end they laughed over nanny's characteristic way of putting things and then the mother had a sudden relieved thought that involved a glance toward john and a significant look at her husband she voiced it only with the tentative half sentence if nanny and rex are along why not spoken low for her husband's benefit but loud enough for john's quick ear to catch and john's quick brain to understand all right said the farmer and raised his voice john i believe i'll let you drive the young people out to the schoolhouse this evening not that it would hurt me, but Mrs. Elliot seems to think I need a little coddling. So John's opportunity had come, not to visit the school, it is true, but one could tell a good deal by a visit to a schoolhouse. As to why it was to be visited that evening, he had not the slightest idea. No one seemed to remember that he was an entire stranger to the ways of the neighborhood. He must learn by watching and waiting." the long low uninviting building known as the hartwell schoolhouse was a revelation to him all his experiences of school life had been connected with great four-story buildings with fireproof walls and general massiveness he told himself that he must certainly have known that there were other styles of school buildings but he found that he had no associations with any other He looked about with the deepest interest on the queer-shaped seats and the wooden desks marred by more than one generation of jack-knives. Yet, if he had but known it, the little schoolroom was by no means typical, being a palace in its way compared with many that he might have visited. The floor was beautifully clean, and had a strip of cocoa-matting down the main aisle the lamps set into home-made brackets fastened at regular intervals to the walls shone with cleanliness and were numerous enough to make a fairly well lighted room the teacher's platform was neatly covered with a square of cheerful red carpeting and on the desk was a fern growing in a pot and several other hardy plants that by dint of being carefully covered every night and removed on friday nights to the sheltered closet Managed to live and flourish through the long cold winter. There was also, besides the desk chair, a little red rocker. The white walls were adorned with pictures in great variety not only the charts and maps common to the schoolroom, but several prints in colors and cheap copies of certain famous pictures, and an open Bible in blue and gilt, with the text large enough to be distinctly read. Altogether, However, uninviting the building might be from the outside, within it was cheerful enough to call forth delighted exclamations from the guests who were privileged to speak. Nanny Marvin, especially, was charmed. What a pretty place you have made of this ugly little room! I remember it used to be particularly ugly. I told Squire Hartwell once that I shouldn't think he would like such a horrid old building named for him. Isn't that wall pretty, Rex? The pictures are all so cheerful, and the colouring is an excellent taste. If there were only some comfortable seats for the scholars, and a carpet on the floor, it would really be quite a pretty parlour. I'll tell you, Rex, when she stopped suddenly, with a glance toward John Stuart, and flushed and laughed. He knew she had been about to indulge in a daydream of what should be done when her name became Hartwell further talk was interrupted by the arrival of scholars or guests or audience the most interested person there had not yet discovered what the evening's programme was to be an incongruous company apparently with sharp contrasts in age although evidently confined to young people there were little boys of an age that john had supposed were always in bed at that hour and there were tall men of six feet and over well proportioned and every grade between some of them he recognized as having been at the club gathering but a short time before but others were unmistakably of a lower grade than the club visitors they shambled in awkwardly enough seeming to be anxious chiefly to avoid observation yet there were distinctly two classes quite a number came in briskly eagerly as though glad to be there they greeted miss elliot with effusion but politely and bowed not ungracefully when she introduced her friends this class john presently discovered were miss elliot's day pupils the others were their brothers and sisters and friends who knew her only through these evening gatherings the program he presently found to be unique miss elliot came over to him with a kindly explanation john i suppose you were never quite at such a gathering as this i hardly know what name to give it myself i have been in the habit of giving one evening a week to this neighborhood during the winter season ever since i have taught here this is the first meeting of the season we have two sessions from seven to eight and from eight to nine for the first hour we divide into classes whenever we can find teachers or talkers and take up some subject that the classes ask to have talked over. Then at eight we have a social religious meeting. We sing a good deal, and pray, and talk on some theme that we hope will help them. These are not all my scholars by any means. In this neighborhood are some, quite a number indeed, who are not able to come to school. They work in the woolen factory, and are busy all day we use these evenings for helping them in any way that we can to-night mr hartwell is going to take the older boys and young men and miss marvin and i will divide the girls between us for the first hour but there are several boys here younger than have been in the habit of coming they coaxed to come and i could not deny them still they can hardly be interested in what mr hartwell will say i have been wondering if did you ever try to teach little boys anything or talk to them for their good visions of a winter years ago during which he taught in a mission sunday school and became fascinated with certain street arabs flashed before john and he answered with animation i did once a good while ago then would you be willing to take those five little boys over in that corner near my desk and tell them something that you think may interest or help them usually we have subjects chosen the week before but as this is our first session we decided to let them choose on the spot what they would like to learn about i haven't the least idea what those little fellows will ask of you are you willing to attempt it he was more than willing the little boys with their good honest faces and remarkably grave behavior were quite as new to him as anything in his strange surroundings. They did not look nor act in the least like street gammons, the type of boy to which his one experience in teaching had belonged. Yet they had intelligent, and in two or three instances, mischievous faces. He was eager to know what they thought and how they expressed their thoughts." the alacrity with which he consented roused vague anxieties in the young manager's mind she had expected him to demur to be almost frightened over the idea to feel sure that he was not competent to teach anybody she had hoped to draw him out by the means to awaken his interest in something besides his daily routine of work and perhaps do him more good than he could do the boys but he evidently needed no drawing out she moved away slowly more than doubtful as to the wisdom of her act the doubt increased as the hour passed and she watched the intent eager faces of the little boys as they bent forward to catch every word that was being said to them the new teacher apparently held every faculty of their being they had neither eyes nor ears for anything else that was going on in the room hildress own work suffered She was distraught and anxious. What mischief she might have done by giving that strange young man an hour with these pure-hearted little boys? What could he be telling them that held their rapt attention? She closed the hour abruptly ten minutes before its time, unable to do much herself except to regret her hasty attempt to benefit John and resolved to learn more about him at the very first opportunity it was not enough that a man was faithful in his daily work and apparently conscientious in the performance of all his duties his mind despite this might be filled with poison which it gave him pleasure to impart she had read of such men turning away from his boys with keen disappointment that he had not opportunity to add those few last words that he had planned the young man took a seat in the farthest corner of the room where he could command an excellent view of all that transpired the hour that followed was one of deep interest to him it had not been called a prayer-meeting and in some respects it was different from any prayer-meeting with which this young man was familiar yet that name fitted it as well as any instead of reading a set portion from the bible Miss Elliot read from a collection of Bible verses that she held in her hand. The curious looker-on could not be sure whether it was in print or had been slipped inside the printed page for convenience. She announced at the opening of the reading that she had been asked by three of her pupils to take the words, What is Truth, for their talk that evening. The phase of the subject that they wanted to have considered was how far away from the exact truth could one tread in the interest of himself or another without reaching the realm that was named falsehood in other words said miss elliot what is truth and what does it demand of its adherents then she read her bible verses keen incisive words leaving no doubt upon the mind of the listeners as to the bible's estimate of truth still the question remained what is meant by truth or as one of miss Elliot's girls put it how far can one keep a piece of knowledge to one's self without earning the name of being false at the moment john stuart happened to be looking in the direction of Nanny marvin and was interested by the sudden change in her expressive face she flushed for an instant and then paled as she turned startled half-frightened eyes first on the questioner then on hildreth and listened to every word that the latter spoke with an eagerness born with intense feeling of some sort the student of human nature found himself wondering why she should be so keenly interested wondering if possibly her besetment might be to run often to the meadow lot and have herself reported as not at home Miss elliot answered the question quickly that depends minnie in the first place does the piece of knowledge concern ourselves only will no human being be injured by our silence is there no reasonable probability of our silence being misinterpreted so that harm may come do we sincerely believe that good and not ill will result if we keep silence if one can answer an unqualified yes to all these questions I think one may safely keep his knowledge to himself nanny marvin who was not given to much outspoken testimony suddenly added her thought sometimes great harm is done by speaking of what one may chance to have learned the speaker turned troubled eyes upon her yes she said slowly that is undoubtedly true i have known a number of instances in which the truth of the old proverb that silence is golden was emphasized but i think that minnie has in mind another phase of harm perhaps i am mistaken but it seems to me that the danger of the present time at least in our neighborhood is to belittle the truth by what are called trivial departures from it i am afraid that some persons are learning to pride themselves on the skill with which they can evade the truth without telling what they call falsehoods i read of a boy who boasted that when his father asked my son were you out late last night answered boldly that on the contrary he reached home very early and he laughed as he explained to his companion that he told the truth for once it was early very early in the morning perhaps that story will illustrate my point as well as any there are people who evade honesty in this way and yet make themselves believe that they are speaking truth it is difficult to understand how a person with ordinary common sense can so deceive himself but i believe it is done the present seems to be especially fruitful in devices for tempting young people to falseness i heard a few days ago of a girl a respectable girl who had so far forgotten herself as to assume a false name and carry on a correspondence as another person what can have become of a young woman's self-respect who will stoop to such an act quick excited half frightened glances were exchanged between certain of her scholars as miss Elliot said this their glances interpreted said whom does she mean how much does she know as for john stuart he felt the slow red mounting to his very temples for the first time since he could remember a sense of shame possessed him against which he struggled angrily why should the opinions of this self-opinionated country girl who in her prescribed circle thought that she understood the world have power to disturb him did he not know that his own motives were beyond reproach and was not he sure that no possible harm could result from his act still for a girl to pose in this way would be he slowly admitted not quite in accordance with his ideas of he left the sentence unfinished for jack sterrett rob's younger brother was asking a question miss Elliot couldn't a girl do a thing of that kind just for fun and not mean anything in life but fun miss Elliot regarded him with stern eyes i don't know jack she said at last we will try not to judge her possibly she might if she were very young and very ignorant and had no one to guide her but i should be sorry indeed to think that any of my girls could stoop so low then those quick, questioning glances were exchanged again, and this time John Stuart studied them. The talk went on in this familiar way for some time, question, answer, and comment. The young medical student took such higher ground on the question of truth than did most of those present. He seemed to be in hearty accord with Miss Elliot herself, affirming unhesitatingly that the infinite mischief which had been done in the world by gossiping tongues had been done chiefly because their love of talk led them to depart from the truth jack said miss elliot suddenly will you pray and then it was discovered that jack the awkward blundering country boy knew how to pray very simple sentences without polish but with the ring of unmistakable sincerity, voiced his desires and aspirations. John Stuart, listening with bowed head, felt again the slow color suffusing his face. This time it was caused by the thought what would he have done had he been called upon to pray? He had been a member of the church for more than thirteen years, yet he had never heard the sound of his own voice in prayer. End of chapter 10.